Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today are dedicated um, in loving memory and Lilu Nishma Joseph Major, Alava Shalom, Yosef Ben Rina Victoria, by his daughters Rain and Ezra Cohen, and Raquel and Gabby Habert. Breakfast in the Class is also dedicated in loving memory and Lilu Nishma Selim Ben Victoria, Alava uh, Shalom, by his grandchildren. Uh, the uh, week of cold brew is dedicated in loving memory and Lilu Nishmat Ezra Ben Nisa Lava Shalom, sponsored by his grandson Sonny Nakin. Uh, as well, in loving memory and Lilu Nishmat Angela Shohet, Angel Batlulu, by Mike Zimmet and the security team. And finally, our beautiful Simchafa this morning, uh, sponsored by Stephen Jamal, dedicated in honor of his wife Celia and in celebration on the birth of their daughter Gloria. Mazal Tob and Mabruk. You should only see Nahat and wonderful things from Mazal Ben Bat Silha. Okay, let's take a look at this very, very interesting Pasuk. I'm going to start with what seems to be a lengthy exposition on the, on the technical terminology of the Pasuk, and hopefully we'll see afterwards in just a second why that's something that is important and should be important to all of us in our daily outlook. The pasuk in the second parasha of our joint parasha begins. It says, "Ele Israel." These are the travelings of the Jewish people. that left the land of Egypt. they left in all their masses. Biad Moshe Moshe, but when Moshe recorded uh, all of their travelings, Moshe et He recorded all of their going outs. Lemasehem to their journeys, al piyamunai, according to Hashem, veele masehem lemotzayehem. So these, it sounds like a little bit of a alliteration, uh, a, a palindrome. You know, the words all sound the same. Masehem, motzayehem, motzayehem means when they were taken out from a place, when they had to leave a specific place that they found themselves in. Masehem means the journey, the traveling that they took, the routes that they took from one place to get to another. But it's interesting because we have three times when we use these two words in conjunction. The first one is, these are the Mas'eb in Israel. These are the travelings of the Jewish people. Asher Yatzeu. So first to travel, the journey, and then Asher Yatzeu, the fact that they left a specific place. Moshe writes it down, and here the order is reversed. Vayichtov Moshe et motzaehem, their leavings, the takings out, lemasehem, to their journeys. And then the pasuk seemingly reverts and says, ve'ele masehem lemotzaehem. And these are their journeys to their going outs. Why does it matter that we switch the order? And why is the uh, order of these two words not consistent? And our rabbis share with us something unbelievable. And they explain that when we look at uh, our lives unfolding uh, throughout the various uh, you know, stories that happen to us, the good things, the bad things, most often we look at the various elements of the journey of life and we think, I traveled here, I went here, I did this, I left this place, I left that place. But when God looks at the trajectory and on the roadmap of our life, He sees it in a very different way. And let me explain for one second what this concept means. For us, we think we journey somewhere, and then because we journeyed somewhere, we left a place. 
But actually, in, uh, if someone was to look at it from God's perspective, they'd see something completely different. And let me uh, illustrate this idea with a beautiful story. There was a man who unfortunately had difficulty in his business. And uh, as time went on, he needed to be able to have cash flow, to be able to run a business. One of the most crucial things to a business's success is cash flow. You need to be able to output money before you've earned that money, buy the goods before you can sell them, lay out the money for the building before you can collect the rent. So the liquidity of a business and its cash flow is often the nature of the success in various industries. So there's a fellow, he unfortunately comes on hard times and he realizes he needs to take out a loan in order to be able to survive. Doesn't want to borrow money, but unfortunately sometimes in life, that's what it comes down to. So he goes to a, a, a local Jewish uh, loan society. He gets someone to sign on his behalf, guarantors, and they lend him $50,000. The condition of the loan society is, you know, we need to be able to bring money in in order to have a loan society. You can't lend, give out all your money. You need to have money always in the pot. So they said to him, look, we need head checks from you for, you know, if you're gonna pay back $1,000 a month, or $1,000 a week, whatever it might be, we need head checks so that we have the guarantee that we'll be able to, the guy says, listen, let's make a deal. Do me a favor. I'm gonna give you the head checks. He says, but every week, but before the end of the week, he says, Be'ezrat Hashem, I'll be here, maximum one day late, two days late, but the money will be you, I'll come and I'll pay you in cash. Please, don't cash the checks. If you cash the check and I wasn't ready for it, and the bank, you know, bounces my check, they're gonna cut off my credit cards. I'm on the last straw. I need my credit card in order to survive. Please don't cash the checks. Wait for the cash, I'll come pay you in person. The man who gives him the loan says, absolutely, you have my word, no problem. We're not gonna cash the check. Haddad gets in his car one night, late night, he's making a journey back uh, to the city, to New York City, to be able to be there early in the morning uh, to open up his store. He gets into a gas station. He uh, gives the guy the credit card. The guy puts the credit card into the machine. He's almost on empty. Puts the credit card into the machine. Uh, the fellow says, I'm really sorry, but your credit card's been declined. The guy busts. His eyes are busting out of his skull. I can't believe it. I told them not to cash a check. I begged them. The guy even told me that it was gonna be okay and then he'd wait for the cash. And if not, at least he could give me a phone call. Exactly what we agreed on, exactly what I was worried about is now coming to fruition. I can't believe it. He's fuming. He's so angry. Hazi, what happened at the Gemach? This is not the only uh, show in town. You know, they lent out money to all these different people. Unfortunately, whoever it was that saw the head checks and the thing didn't know, didn't communicate, took it to the bank, cashed a check. He'll only find out tomorrow morning that there was a problem. But this guy now is stuck he can't get for, you know, to the office, he can't drive, he's stuck with his car. In the middle of the night, he's so upset. The guy, the guest station attendant says to him, listen, it happens all the time here. There's always someone who comes in, there's a problem with their car, they can't find their car. He says, I'll tell you, over the years I've learned that I ask the people, I say, just push your seat forward, look underneath. You'll find quarters that you dropped, you didn't even know were there. Look in between the seat and the, and the what's, you'll find an extra couple of crumpled up dollars. Even if you get two, three, five dollars, five dollars a guess will get you home. And then in the morning, you'll come back with money. The guy says, you know what, you're absolutely right. I'm losing my mind over here, you know, that I can't even get home. 
I will fix it. I'm sure it was not a problem. He moves the seat forward. He goes in the here. He goes in the back. He checks the... He comes up with $23. That's how much he had in the... What's it called? In the... Uh, now, when I was living in England, this happened to me all the time. You know why? Because over here, what's the biggest coin we have in circulation that we use normally? A quarter. So if you drop a couple of quarters, it doesn't help you so much. In England, they have a 10-pound coin. Ten pounds, even with a bad exchange rate, it's like 14 bucks. So you're sitting there, it falls out of your pocket, you reach into the seat, you, you find five pounds, ten pound coin, you're doing pretty well. Had that, this guy, I don't know, maybe you never checked this car. $23 is pretty, you know, it's a nice amount. So he says, you know what? He tells the guy, he says, he says, you know, give me, he goes, give me a quarter of a tank. Guy fills up a quarter of a tank. This was before Joe Biden. So a quarter of a tank, you know, cost him, uh, you're the right, whatever it was, however much he asked for, half a tank. You know, he goes into the guy, he says, how much is it? The guy says, 20 bucks. He says, perfect. He goes, I have $23 here. Give him the 20 bucks. As the guy takes the $20, he says, oh, look, you have $3 left. He says, you know, why don't you play the lottery? The lotto is $3. Extra three bucks. The guy gives him the $3, the scratch off, whatever. He wins exactly $50,000. Haddad doesn't realize he's screaming and yelling, so upset about the fact that they cashed his stupid check, yelling about the fact that this guy's causing him all sorts of issues. If he didn't cash the check, he uses the card, he doesn't buy the ticket, he doesn't have the 50 grand, the whole loan disappeared because of this one moment of us. In the end of the day, what actually happened to him? Nothing. He got the gas, he went home. But for that brief moment of aggravation, his salvation came and the whole loan he was able to pay off in one second from that the extra three dollars that he had. My friends, in our lives, what we see is sometimes a journey, an unnecessary, a detour. We had to drive around this way. We had to go over there. We had a problem with the business, a difficulty in our relationship. Someone did something. They said they wouldn't. Someone didn't do something. They said they would. I took the wrong suit. I packed the wrong bag. They lost my luggage. We all know the wedge on us that comes, the difficulties that come in life that come our way. We all know them. But from God's perspective, it's not a random journey. It's a mosa'ehem, lemas'ehem. Every detour has a predetermined mosa'ehem where God took you out of your lane and put you in this lane. God took you out of uh, what's it called? Out of the regular lane, and he puts you in what I call the HOV lane. What does HOV stand for? Hashem overview. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking at your life, he says, I have the guy in the regular lane, but you know what? I'm going to stick him in this lane over here, because in this lane, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, or a little bit out of the way, or a little bit unexpected, but you know what? He's going to go on this date with this person who they swore to him was compatible, and two seconds into the date, he finds out that the girl wants to only live in Israel. Or the girl only wants to live in New York City. And he's so mad. Why'd they set me up with this girl? But you know what? He's a mensch about it. He finishes the date. Doesn't yell, doesn't fume, doesn't make a big deal. But they find out at the end of the night they're incompatible. How many times did I hear from a guy where the guy tells me, I went on a date like this. You know, I met my wife. I went on this pointless, useless date from the Khan, from the rabbi, from whomever. At the end of the date, the girl says to me, you know what, it's not going to work. I want to go to Israel. You don't. 
you know, I want to have six kids. You don't want any kids. But at the end of the date, she says, you know what? But my best friend, but my sister, you were great. You were gracious. You were kind. You were a gentleman. You were respectful. And even though it was obvious that it wasn't going to work, you didn't spend the whole date moaning about the fact that people wasted your time. All the time, Borei Olam takes us out of our lane and puts us in the lane that we need to be in. But when it's viewed from our perspective, we don't have the HOV. We don't have that ability to look at it from that angle. So therefore, for us, it always seems like a detour. A happy person is a person who waits to see what God's plan was and doesn't get angry first. So the Pasuk starts off and says, Ele Israel. You want to know the Jewish people, what it looked like to them? It was a journey. You see the end, the end of the Ele And this is their journeys, 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 journeys. But when Moshe is writing it in the Torah, Moshe et When Moshe is writing it in the Torah, it's by God's name. If you look into your past, you will notice that you've had many instances like this, where God took you somewhere where you didn't expect that actually turned out to be the very best thing for you. The challenge is not doing it with, uh, 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 with hindsight. It's doing it with foresight. It's living your life in a way where you don't allow yourself to get to that stage where you lose it because you have the patience to see why Bore Olam is doing this to you. I want to share with you a beautiful expression. The Pasuk says that when the Jewish people had to go to war, the soldiers came back and they didn't do exactly as they'd been commanded by Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe got angry at the soldiers, at these people who were appointed to go to war. And he said to them, and Moshe said to them, and he gave him his rebuke. Rav Zalman Sarotskin asks a great question. He says, all it needs to say is, and Moshe was angry on the men of the, of the, uh, the, at the, uh, the warriors, right? And he says to them, did you, do, did you not do what I said? Why is there a break? He got angry at them, and he says the most beautiful thing. He says, this is there to teach you an unbelievable lesson, and that is, if you got angry, you can't speak when you're angry. So Moshe first got angry at them. Pause. He calmed down. He let it simmer. He relaxed. And once he was out of that state of anger, then and it always struck me that if Moshe is angry, which expression of speech should we have chose? Vayomer? which is a soft expression of speech, or vayidaber, which means a harsh form of speech. It should have said vayidaber. The pasuk is telling us, no, that Moshe waited the, those extra, that, the, that time that it took in order, in order for him to calm down. Now, I want to share with you, this is such a beautiful concept. There used to be a rabbi who gave uh, uh, advice to married couples, and someone came to him right after their wedding, and he says, I have a very special bottle of water for you. It's shalom by water. The guy says, there's such a thing? He goes, absolutely. He goes, wow, what kind of Rebbe Baba Sali blessed this water? He goes, what do you mean? How does it work? He goes, you get angry at your wife, 
Use this water, you follow the instructions, no problem, it gets you out of any fight. The guy can't believe it. He's saving it for a rainy day. We've all had those days. Anyway, his wife gets him so upset. You know, he realizes, you know, a big storm's coming. He runs to the cabinet to go get the miracle Shalom Bayit water. Quickly turns the bottle around and he sees the instructions. It says to use in extreme cases of anger. Step one, empty entire bottle's contents into your mouth. He looks at the bottle. Step two, keep entire contents of bottle in your mouth until you are calm. That's the Shalom Bayit bottle of water. And oh, does it create miracles. Rav Moshe Shapiro used to say that if a person wants a great tip for life, when they get into a moment of anger, they should wait 40 seconds, count, until 40. I don't know where he got the number from. Maybe that's the number that we find is a gestational period, the time of the mabul, or maybe that's what the guy should think about, 40 days of the mabul. I'm not sure what the guy's thinking, but 40 seconds is enough. Even just a brief pause is enough to create a space between Vayiktsof Moshe and, uh, and, the, and the last part. And I want to end with one last piece, which I thought was so beautiful. So you see Moshe is very angry. Vayomer alehem, and he responds to them not, uh, not with anger. There was a rabbi walking down the street, very big, very pious, and he's walking with his uh, Talmidim. And as he's walking, all of a sudden they see he's looking into Ya'ani Graf, you know, the, the, the jewelry store on the corner, whatever it is. Anyway, the rabbi had that, he wears like a robe, like, you know what I mean? His shoes have holes in it. The guy is the least materialistic person in the world. The rabbanit, who he's married to also, the least material. Anyway, he stops in the middle, he's looking in the window, they're like, what caught his eye? He walks into the store, he starts asking, the, there's a husband there, a woman and a, a, a man, he's asking them about this piece, about that piece, how much does that one cost, what kind of diamonds are here, how much gold, how much how's the weight? They never saw a guy so in, interested in jewelry in their life. You know, normally when you go into the, uh, into the, into the jewelry store, you, you know, you really have very little on your mind if you're a guy. You walk in, you tell the guy, you know, how much does this cost? How much does this cost? Or you say, you know, what does it take to get me out of this kind of a fight? Or this kind, right? You then give the guy the measurement. Right here, the rabbi is asking about each thing, the shape, the this, the that. Finally, he buys something small in the store. They wrap it up. He takes it out, puts it in his pocket. They walk out. They say, Rabbi, in our lives, we never saw this. What is this? What happened? It's so out of character for you. The rabbi said, he says, you know, I pass by this all the time on the way to shul. And I happen to know that this store is owned by a husband and wife. As we were walking close, I could see through the window that they were arguing with each other and their faces were getting into that contorted face of anger. You know when someone's like, ah, 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 I could see it happening from the outside. I knew exactly what was going on. So I decided I'm going to walk in and I'll start asking them questions until I feel that the anger and the tension is gone. He says, I guess it was very angry because I had to ask them about every piece in the store. He says, but finally, they said, so why'd you buy it? Your wife is not even going to... He says, because the halakha says that if you walk into a store, you can't make someone feel like he's going to make a sale and then walk around and just ask questions. A lot of us do that. We walk into a store, you ask the guy 74 questions and you buy it on Amazon. Not allowed to do that. It's a gnevat dat. 
They say it's onat, uh, it's onat devarim. You're causing the man pain that he wasted all this time and actually didn't complete the sale. So I had to buy something. So by the end of it, you know, after I asked them all the questions, they calmed down. I, I made some, I made some, some sort of a purchase. My friends, one of the greatest gifts that God gave us in times of stress, in times of anger, in times of anxiety, is the gift of time. The ability to just dial in, plug in and say, if I react right now, then I'm probably going to lose it. But if I give myself a little time, maybe I'll have that perspective. The same way that's true between you and your wife, even if you're really angry, between you and your kids, even if you're really upset, it gives you time to see that person not only contextualized by this fight, but actually you remember that she's your wife in the rest of your life too. And that this kid, even though they might have just crashed a car, you know what? There's a million other things that this kid is also. And you know what? Maybe instead of focusing on the car that he smashed, you should focus on the fact that he escaped that car crash with his life. My friends, when we treat a moment of anger, anguish, anxiety with this medicine called time, even a small dose is enough to be able, it's like the Johnson & Johnson only needs one shot, okay? Even the tiniest amount is enough to be able to make a significant difference. And if that is true for our wives, our children, our friends, and our family, it is also true for God that when you find yourself on a journey that gets you upset with Hashem, you don't want to pray, you don't want to do the right thing, you're really angry, you're, you know, at that moment, wait, pause, and recognize that actually uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu might have a plan that you don't yet know about, and this is not a needless mas'ehem, a journey, it's actually a motza'ehem. I wanted to make t-shirts for this. I remember back in the day they used to have on the National Geographic, there was something called a Maasai warrior. You guys remember that? Maasai is one of these areas in, uh, in Africa. And these warriors were very fierce. And they were able to kind of stand up to all sorts of different things. They hunt lions and mabarif. And I think, well, in Africa they have Maasai warriors. And in Judaism we have Mas'e warriors. People who no matter what journey they get taken on, are strong enough to be able to hang in there, not lose their hope, not lose their faith, and not lose their cool. May God bless us always to come out on the right side of history. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.